This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's in Crest Hill, and by Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, friends, to this post sad road trip edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago, back after a battle with the flu. Ugh, wish that was a euphemism for something, but unfortunately it wasn't. I was ill. I'm better now, and I'm joined of course by the one and only Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score and the Locked on Blackhawks podcast. Jay, I appreciate the fact that you were willing to, uh, Riding the saddle alone last week and do a podcast on your own. Give me a chance to kind of get over the ick, so to speak. And uh, I almost kind of wish I was still sick because this Blackhawks team just really isn't that much fun to talk about right now, are they? No, it's not great. And uh, boy, you know what's frustrating, too? It's like it's not like they've played badly, but the results have been bad. But we're going to get to that for sure. A couple things we want to tell you about. First of all, follow the podcast on Twitter at Madhouse Pod. We are also on Instagram at Madhouse underscore pod. For some reason, Madhouse Pod was taken on Instagram. Don't know by who. I can't really <laughs> find it, but they wouldn't let me take it. So it's Madhouse underscore pod. Uh, make sure you follow, rate, review, uh, subscribe to the podcast, all that good stuff. Um, yeah. So, oh, and if you want to email us, madhousepod at gmail.com. So, yeah, James, by the way, filling in for you, I usually go back and listen to all the podcasts that I do that we do together just to sort of like self-assess. I did not go back and listen to the Madhouse podcast without you. I, w- I was struggling, man. Like, I don't know why it was different. Like, I do a, I do a solo podcast every day, but something about having to do the Madhouse podcast alone was just different, and I, it, I really struggled with it. I didn't even go back to check, like, how many people listened because I don't want to know. I, I feel like it, I feel like people are like James isn't there. Like no, I've had enough of Jay. I want to hear something different. So let's start with you. You've been out for a while. When last you and I spoke, we were feeling okay about things. The Hawks were right on the outside of the playoffs with some winnable games on the horizon, and since then, they've lost four of five, and it's really uh, six of seven when you look at the overtime losses. So. 
Yeah, all of our playoff hopes uh, seem to be dead. We are recording this on Monday night, and already this evening, Calgary has won, Arizona has won. So now the Blackhawks are eight points out of the wild card spot, and it's not looking very good. See, what helped was that they were going into this road trip where they were playing teams that they were chasing in the standings, right? Like they, yeah, they had the game against Minnesota back on, I think it was like February 3rd or 4th or something like that. And that was obviously potentially going to be helpful for them. They, they of course, lost that game in overtime. They had the completely nonsensical loss to the Bruins that I still just have absolutely no idea why that game ended the way that it did. The Blackhawks should have won that game, but didn't. And then the road trip happened, the losses to Winnipeg, the loss to Edmonton. And I think the thing, Jay, that probably bothers me more so than a lot of the other things about this little stretch here where they've lost six of seven games. They've just been looking very, They've looked good and lackluster, and it's just kind of been a great summation of their season. That part of it doesn't bother me, though. The part of it that bothers me is the self-inflicted nature of it. The decisions by Jeremy Colleton to play Nick Sealer over Adam Boquist. The decision to healthy scratch Dylan Strome. The inability to decide what line you want Patrick Kane or Jonathan Taves to play on. It's just been a really weird stretch of coaching by Jeremy Colleton. He hasn't quite been able to figure out the lineup that he wants to ice on a nightly basis. And I think that I know he's trying to send messages. I know he's trying to look more long-term, especially in the case of a guy like Adam Boquist, but you cannot look at me with a straight face and whether you're wearing glasses or not, Jeremy, (laughs) you cannot look at me and say, Nick sealer gives us a better chance to win than Adam Boquist does. It just is not the case. And again, I'm not saying he played well against Vancouver or against Calgary. He didn't, he had, especially the Calgary game was a rough game. It was tough, but to bench him and play Nick sealer. I just, I don't get it, man. This is not the time of year to be sending messages. This is the time of year to be banking points. And guess what? Your message did not work. Well, I totally agree with you. And look, Boquist has been, and we've talked about this a lot, he's been better defensively than you or I or many people expected. The reaction isn't after a bad game or two to bench him. That's dumb. It's a learning experience. You put him out. Don't give me that, oh, he'll have a, a day in the press box. I'll help him see things better. No, it won't. No, it won't. Get him out there on the ice. Let him be better. How about how nice would a one goal looked in that game against Winnipeg that they lost three to two? But Nick mm-hmm. F and Sewer, and I don't have nothing against Nick Sewer. I like the guy. He plays hard. He'll drop the gloves. He'll play physically. He'll clear out the crease. That's wonderful. Except he did none of those things last night. Well, that's the other thing. But it, it's just the timing. And you mentioned mixing up the lines. You were playing a pretty solid game against Winnipeg. Just because you're down a goal doesn't mean you have to screw everything up and overload one line. You scored a goal with Ryan Carpenter centering Patrick Kane. You had some good shifts that way. Stop messing with everything. I get that you want to, okay, you're down a goal. You want to put Taves and Kane together with the Brinkett or whoever you want to put on that wing to, to load up. Just let your team play. Have some faith Gee, in this reminds team. me of somebody, Jay. Yeah, but you know what? This- Those teams were a lot better. <laughs> you know, and it was like, I, I just, I don't know. I, I think that the, the, the panic that Colin has used lately where anytime 
things get bad. He's got to he's got to mix things up. He's got to change things up. And Q did it a lot. I understand that, but it was a much more talented team, and he was just trying to find different sparks. You had something going with your lines against Winnipeg. They were all playing pretty well. Then you go and just because you're down a goal, throw caution to the wind, and I I just I don't know. He's overthinking it, and I get it. It's a tough place for him to be. It's a tough role to be in for a guy who's. You know, his job could very well hinge on the Hawks making the the playoffs. But, man, just if your team's playing well enough, reward them and trust them to keep doing that. That's my thing with him. It's it's one of those things that we – this is going to be very old man columnist-y of me to say, and please forgive me for this. But the fact that you hired such a young coach who – doesn't have a lot of experience like yeah he looks at things through a fresh set of eyes but is it also a thing where with that lack of experience that you kind of panic at the first sign of adversity is that is that fair to say about him is that a fair criticism to levy against him well we've got two years of evidence to point to that last year the Blackhawks were in the playoffs for literally one hour and then (laughs) a team that was behind them won a game that night and the Hawks were never in the playoffs again, and they fell apart at the end of the year, just like this season. The, these mm. seasons are sort of like mirror images of each other, starting off slow, getting hot in the middle, and fading at the end. It's happened two years in a row now, and like you said, the Hawks had this tremendous opportunity starting actually February 1st, Arizona, Minnesota, Winnipeg, Edmonton, Vancouver, Calgary, Winnipeg, those games gave you a huge opportunity to not only get in the race, but even if you broke even, you're still in it. You're still in the conversation. Now, they lose four of five. For all intents and purposes, they lose six of seven. And they're way, way out of it now. They're eight points out of it. They don't play again until Wednesday. And they're just going to keep losing ground. And and I, I still have this fear that... You know, and by the way, the Jets play L.A. tomorrow night. Uh, Nashville plays Carolina, so that lines up well for the Hawks. But, like, I just have this fear that Stan Bowman's going to look at the thing on Monday and say, well, you know what, we're only six points out, we're only seven points out, only five points out, and not do anything and screw the franchise going forward. They've got to I look mean, Sorry, they've got to look at no. Monday with a realistic cerebral approach screw the heart play you know make these decisions with your mind with your hockey mind because i think anyone who's looking at this thing objectively is telling you this is not a playoff team and even if they were they're not they're not going to contend for anything this is not the new st louis blues i promise you that i mean okay if you needed any convincing for the blackhawks to be a seller at the deadline the kings got a prospect they got got a prospect they got tim schaller they got a second round pick and a 2020 conditional pick for tyler Toffoli. the lightning gave the islanders nolan foot and a first round pick for blake coleman the islanders got andy green for a second round pick and a prospect this is a seller's market right now teams are desperate to get more talent to try to upgrade their teams you cannot tell me that the calgary flames or the toronto maple leafs are sitting there right now going we don't need a goalie we're good we like what we have in net." no of course they're not you don't think one of those teams would be willing to overpay for robin leonard or Corey crawford 
of course they would overpay for those guys. The question is, does Stan Bowman have the courage of his conviction to say, look, we're not going anywhere this season. We're not going anywhere next season. Scott Powers wrote a great thing today about how the Blackhawks to be in a serious cap situation next season. It's not going to be like it was this season. The Blackhawks are not going to have a bunch of money that they're going to be able to go out and spend on needs. What the Blackhawks need to do is they need to sell the assets that they can sell right now, get cap relief for next season and acquire some new assets. And if we're judging by what the Los Angeles Kings got in their trade and what the New Jersey Devils got in their trade with the Lightning, it is a seller's market. And Stan Bowman needs to have the courage to say, look, we're not going anywhere with this group of guys that we have right now. We need to try to start building for the future. And it clearly they're going to be able to get some assets if he's willing to do that. The big question for me is whether or not he's actually willing to do it, and I honestly don't know the answer to that. I See, and we've discussed this before, but I know everybody doesn't listen to every episode. The wrench in this whole thing is, is Stan Bowman going to try to save his job and get in the playoffs here? I don't think so. I think that Stan is a smart enough guy to know that, that if anything, doing that could cost him more than it could help him. But there's that little thing in the back of my head that is Stan Bowman six points out of a playoff spot, going to go ahead and sell and do the right thing hockey-wise. I hope so. I think so. But there is that little thing of doubt in the back of my mind. And and you mentioned the teams that need goalies and, and what these trades that have happened so far have garnered the teams that have sold. You're getting a first-round pick for Robin Leonard. There's no I, doubt about and look, it. Look, I get it. Like, Blake Coleman is not a guy who's a rental. Like, I do get sure. that. But I also know for a fact that Robin Leonard would help a team a whole hell of a lot going for a playoff berth, especially in a league where there's so much parity right now and a goaltender can honestly be the difference between a deep Stanley Cup playoff run and going out in the first round of the playoffs. Well, the other thing to think about, too, is you can package Leonard and Gustafson in a deal. Like, you know, Gustafson's contract is very affordable. If some team adds the two of those guys for seven million or so, that's that's a hell of a trade deadline move to a team that's looking to solidify its depth for the playoffs and its goaltending. You can get a haul for that. If there's a team out there, maybe it's Toronto, maybe it's Carolina, maybe one of those teams is like, you know what? No team in the league is really blowing our doors off this year. If we can add a stud goalie and a really solid offensive defenseman, we're gonna be the best team in hockey. And they just say, you know what? Screw it. We're going for it. Here's a first-round pick. Here's a top prospect. Whatever, whatever. I think there's a huge opportunity here for the Hawks on Monday. And now that they've sort of announced themselves as not a playoff team, it can sort of open the doors to that. And the Hawks can probably start talking to – well, I'm sure they've been talking to teams all year. But really, in earnest, maybe you talk to Robin Leonard one more time and say, look, is there any way – we get you signed before the season ends. No? Okay. We're going to try to move you at the deadline, and we're going to do our damnedest to get you back this summer. Now is the opportunity. Now is the time. The Hawks should absolutely jump at the opportunity to get as many assets as they can on Monday. Speaking of assets, our new sponsor, <laughs> Fry the Coop in Oakland. Listen to this, James. And you missed this promotion, obviously, because Valentine's Day is over. Hope and I always joke about how Valentine's Day is like, you know, it's kind of, we don't really celebrate it too much. We'll hang out. We'll, you know, have dinner or whatever. So I'm like, I'm going to get her a nice bottle of wine, nice card, bring it home. I come home 
And Fry the Coop made an exception for us. It's, this was supposed to be dining only, but Hope wanted to surprise me. I came home to a bouquet of hot chicken. It was on red cellophane. Each chicken tender was skewered and spread like a bouquet of flowers, two heart-shaped donuts, two sets of french fries on the side. It was the most romantic thing that's ever happened to me. The hot chicken getting home from work. It was amazing. Fry the Coop does tons of really cool things, really cool promotions like that for holidays. Go to frythecoop.com. Check it out. It is the best Nashville hot chicken I've ever had, and I am a Nashville regular. I've had all of the famous brands, Hattie B's, Prince's, Bolton's, everyone that claims to have the best hot chicken in Nashville. I don't think they hold a candle to Fry the Coop. Come get your happiness at Fry the Coop. They've got locations in Oaklawn, Elmhurst, Westtown, Well Street Market, and coming soon to Tinley Park and Prospect Heights. Really happy to have Fry the Coop on board here on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Sounds like something I need to go pick up before our uh, big event on Friday night. That's a look at you. Look at you, Mr. Pluggy Man. Yes, we I don't should've... think I'm gonna I don't think I'm gonna get you a bouquet, <laughs> but hot chicken made me think of hot Mike. Yes. You see. I think we definitely get some fry the coop to enjoy. Uh maybe we get some of the hot and just see like how long it takes us to hallucinate mid game. Um <laughs> and our hallucination Wait, will be are like... the Blackhawks actually a playoff team? <laughs> bye, bye, bye. Yeah, exactly. Well, James has gone completely insane from the chicken. Yes. All right. So what are we talking about? If you're not hip to hot Mike. Hot Mike is a new app. You download it for free. Just go to your app store. Check out Hot Mike. H-O-T-M-I-C. I made this joke on lockdown, but Hot M-I-K-E. That's a different website. You may not Please like don't that go one. there. Whatever you're into is fine. You're not going to find us broadcasting on HotMike.com. Go to HotMike.io or just download the Hot Mike app. Here's what happens. You download that app. You enter promo code MADHOUSE on Friday. For the Nashville game, James and I will be on the screen of your tablet or your laptop or your phone, whatever, watching and reacting to the game in real time. The app actually syncs up the broadcast, so we're talking in real time to what you're watching on TV. It's an awesome thing. I've done a bunch with Matt Spiegel, or Matt Spiegel from The Score has done a bunch. I did one with him. It's a really cool, really great idea. Sit Sit around and watch the Hawks game with James and I. Again, it's absolutely free. Download the Hot Mike app. Use the promo code MADHOUSE because when you do, James and I get a cut, which is great. We really appreciate that. And join us for Hawks Predators Friday at 730 on the Hot Mike app. It's going to be an awesome, awesome time. I cannot wait to do this. And hopefully this opens the door to me or you just some random night. Like, you know what? Let's do it. I'm going to do a game tonight. You know, if you're sitting in your living room, you want to make a few bucks. I'm sitting in mine. I want to make a few bucks. Pop on the Hot Mic app, watch the games with the fans. The sky is the limit with this thing. So if you guys adopt and get into it, we will be there more often. So one last time, Hot Mic app or hotmic.io, sign up with that promo code MADHOUSE and join us on Friday. There's all sorts of games going on all the time on Hot Mic. There's a lot of like Premier League games, Champions League games, NBA uh, NFL's over, but they've got everything that's going on. There's some broadcasts happening with people you want to hear from in sports, but it's going to be a lot of fun on Friday. I cannot wait. It's going to be a really good time. I've been looking forward to it for a while. When I was uh, sick last week, I was like, I need to be healthy and ready to go by the time this thing rolls around on the 21st. I've been 
looking forward to doing it ever since we announced that we were doing it. And I hope people get as into it as we're clearly going to get into it because there's going to be probably alcohol involved in this. There's going to be, as we've stated, hot chicken. I mean, what else do you need? Realistically, nothing. That's what. Download the app, people. I'm telling you, it's worth it. Yeah, it's going to be super cool. You're going to enjoy it. All right, let's take our first time out of the show. We'll come back. We will sort of let's get into this trade deadline thing. There's there's a, a couple names have come up uh, to James and I via Twitter, via email that we want to get to um, that I think deserve some addressing. So going to take a quick time out. We'll be right back with more on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We have been brought to you since day one by our friends at Marishka's in Crest Hill, 604 Theodore Street. Go get the poor boy. Go get the steaks. Go get the Yodel Burger, the Mountain of Onion Rings, the craft beer, the twice-baked potato, the seafood, the salad, the mac and cheese. Whatever you're into, Marishka's has it, and it is absolutely tremendous. You know, Joe told me not to talk about the mac and cheese too much because it's a, it's, a, it's a rare thing. It doesn't happen all the time. But damn it, when it's there, you want to find it. If I were you. I would sit outside Marishka's every day, and then when they come in, say, you're going to have mac and cheese today? No, we're not. That's right. I'm going to eat here anyway, and then come back the next day and try it that way. You've got to have their mac and cheese. It is 90% cheese and 10% mac. Absolutely amazing. Go to marishkas.com or facebook.com slash marishkas. They're closed only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. All right, so James, trade deadline is Monday. It is very, very close. It has been on our minds really for the last two or three months. It's kind of been the thing we've all been targeting of where's this team going to be when the trade deadline rolls around. We're starting to get a more clear answer right now. And I have heard over the last few days a very interesting name that some Hawks fans want to move on from. Not move on from, but would consider trading that you probably wouldn't think. That is Alex Dabrinkit. He, the scorer of 41 goals last season, of what was it, 28 goals his rookie year. Yes, he's yep. having an extremely down year this year. He has a $6.4 million contract kicking in next year. Some Hawks fans are ready to move on from Alex Dabrinkit. I think it's a huge mistake to do that. James, what say you? Jay, I, I, I've seen those tweets. People have sent me those things. Obviously, knowing that Dabrinkit's going to be due for a big pay raise next season with the $6.4 million cap head extension kicking in and I still I look at him and what I've seen from him this season it's not like he's some irredeemable case like he's a guy I know he doesn't have the longest track record but we can say that it's only his third NHL season I know he had the 41 goal season last year and then 28 the year before that to me giving up on Alex to at this point when he's been shuffling around the lineup so much maybe doesn't necessarily fit perfectly to what Jeremy Colleton is doing. I think it would be a really big mistake to give up on a guy like that. And yes, I do think you'd get a pretty solid return for Debrinkit, but I part of me wonders with the cap hit kicking in next season, I wonder if maybe that would hurt whatever trade value you would be looking to get from him. And would that defeat the purpose of moving him in the first place, which would be to get cap relief and assets I don't know if the Blackhawks get both of those things if they move him. So with that in mind and with the fact that I've been Mr. Patience, I've been trying to be <laughs> as level-headed as possible about this team. I think that trading Alex to right now would be a mistake on the part of the Blackhawks. And I think that it would be 
a knee-jerk reaction to a slump that a lot of guys end up going through as they, you know, continue down their path in the NHL. And I still think that, J- that Alex DeBrincat has a lot of good hockey ahead of him. And I think giving him up now would be a really silly idea. Well, I agree with you. And look, whatever you would trade him for, chances are not going to develop into a 40 goal scorer at 22 years old. So you got to, you got to think about like, let's not knee jerk is the right word, James, you use it. And let me take a little bit of a, uh, an analogy here. And, and it, I know there's a lot of Cub fans that listen. James, I know you're a Cub fan. If you're not a Cub fan, don't get mad at me. Just stick with it for the purposes of the analogy. Sunday, Javier Baez was talking about the team's struggles last season and how they fell way short of expectation. And he, pointing a thumb at himself, said, I did not prepare enough. I got to games late. I didn't take. I didn't stretch on the field. It took me until the fourth inning to get going most games. And he blamed that a little bit on the lax attitude, the optional BPs, all the sort of um, liberties that Joe Madden let those guys have. This is the first season. Think about this. Alex DeBrinkett comes in to the league as a smallish player who's been told his entire life, you're too small for the league. You're not going to be able to score at the NHL level. It's not going to translate. You've been the beneficiary of playing with Connor McDavid, blah, 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 right? Comes in his first year, scores 25-plus goals, looks great. Second year, still with a chip on his shoulder, comes in, pots 40. This summer, 41. This summer, signs a big contract, $6.4 million, gets what he deserves, gets what he's earned, and maybe, just maybe, and so, I'm saying this subconsciously, I'm not saying that Alex doesn't care or didn't try as hard, but maybe just subconsciously, that little chip on his shoulder that he used to play with to try to prove everybody wrong went away a little bit this year. And it could be a wake-up call to say, look, just because you got paid and just because you had success your first two years doesn't mean you had to prepare less than you have before. If that's what Alex Dabrinkit needs is, is a season like this to sort of, okay, you know, the wake-up call of I'm a 20. Think about yourself at 22 years old. I was an idiot when I was 20. I'm still an idiot, but I was a supreme idiot when I was 22 years old. Think about how young that is and how, you know, generally inexperienced in life you are at that point. I think that could be a factor that Debrinka didn't feel that chip on his shoulder this year of I'm going to prove everybody wrong. He's already done that. So maybe that played a role. Maybe he didn't prepare as hard. Maybe he didn't go out there with the fire that he usually does. And it cost him this year. I think another huge part of it is his horrible luck. He's had horrible luck this year. Like sticks breaking and shots getting blocked and post hit and just, you know, he's been snake bitten like like nothing else. So I think it could be the combination of those two things. Regardless, whichever of those theories you buy into, maybe it's neither. Trading Alex DeBrinkett would be a colossal mistake at this point. Let me ask you this, since we're on the topic of trading guys with potential six million dollar cap hits next season. You still are you entertaining the notion of trading Dylan Strom right now? I'm entertaining it more now than I was this summer. And it's not so much about Strom. It's more about Kubelik. I didn't think mm. Kubelik was going to become the player he's become. I didn't think he was going to be a 25 goal scorer by the end of the year. He'll probably have closer to 30, maybe more than 30 goals. Also a restricted free agent at the end of the season. too. Right. He's going to need a new contract. And look, they didn't draft Kirby doc to be a third line center. And, I don't know if Strom's value is better in the summer or at the deadline. 
I'm going on record right now. I want him back. I like Dylan Strom a lot. And I think he's another guy who's a victim of he's been playing this year banged up. He's clearly not healthy right now. And that's why he doesn't look like himself. And I want him back. But when I was so willing to pay him six, maybe two months ago, three months ago, I don't know if I'm that positive anymore. Maybe his down year helps the Hawks out a little bit and they can get him for somewhere between four and a half and five and a half. But anything more than that, I really have to consider trading him, especially considering the Hawks cap situation. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with you. I think that you at least you breach the notion of what a contract extension is going to look like. And I'm sure they've done that with him. But like you said, if you're looking north of $6 million, if you're Dylan Strom, if you're like, I want a contract identical to or very close to what Alex DeBrincat got, I don't think I'm willing to go that high. And I think the reason that I am kind of hesitant about that isn't just because of the struggles that Dylan has had this season. Like you said, that could very well be because of injury, could be because of system, could be because of a lot of different things. But remember what he was when the Blackhawks acquired him from Arizona. He was not the guy that he was last season in Chicago. That was a lengthy one, but it was an anomaly for a lot of reasons. And I think that he's better than what he showed in Arizona, but I'm starting to really have convinced myself of the fact that he's not as good as he was last season in Chicago. And if that's the case, you cannot give that guy $6 million a season. And I personally would rather try to trade him now to try to get a team who's like, look, we can get a controllable asset. We can re-sign him at the end of the season if we want to. Try to take advantage of the seller's market now. Trade him. Get that cap relief for the future. And focus your resources on re-signing guys like maybe a Robin Leonard or a Dominic Kubelik. I think that Dylan Strome, in terms of guys that I realistically think the Blackhawks should look at moving before the deadline, he definitely falls very highly on that list for me. Interesting. So you're you're more trade Strome than I am. I, I, I think if you – boy, it, it's really hard to look at a 22-year-old player who's got 98 points in 153 games in his career and just say, like, eh, I'm ready to move on. Is is he going to be a key part of a playoff contender in the next three seasons? Well, I, I mean, he could be, but it's not, I don't think that that's dependent on him. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, if if the Hawks suddenly well, if it's be- not dependent on him, you're not giving him more than six million dollars a year. Well, That's I, money that you give yeah. to a difference maker. Then no, I I understand what you're saying. I see what you're saying. But like, could you justify paying Dylan Strom what Brandon Sod makes? I think that's reasonable. That's kind of the going rate for, you know. Well, then you have to get rid of Brandon Sod. Who'd you rather get rid of, Sod or, or Strom? I mean. I think anybody worth their salt would say you'd rather get rid of Brandon Saad because he's older, et cetera. But I also look at the, I look at it realistically and what do I think gets me more of a return and what do I have more of in my system right now? And I wonder, do you just replace Dylan Strom essentially with Kirby doc? Is that the calculus that Stan Bowman would make? And I think that's a really, it's obviously a really tough call to make, for Stan Bowman, but that's why he's get he gets paid to make that decision and not me. Well, but think of all the teams that have won Stanley Cups over the last decade. They have been deep down the middle. You including the Blackhawks. Including the Hawks. You had 
you know, Taves and Brad Richards and uh, Michael Hanzus, and it was a rotating cast, but Antoine Vermette, like those third-line centers, and Marcus Kruger, of course, on the fourth line, those guys were sometimes the difference between winning and not winning a cup, if the Hawks had a, th- a competent third-line center or not. I don't think the Blackhawks are a third-line center away of from winning not. the Stanley Cup. Of course they're not. Of course they're not. They, what they need to do is is add defensive players of of higher esteem than what they have. Um, you know, you Connor Murphy can't be your best defenseman. That's not an option. And yeah. as, as, as good as Duncan Keith has been this year over the last 10 games or so, he's shown the signs of slowing that we sort of expect him to slow to show. And we can't just keep hoping that, okay, maybe he'll just hold off the, the decline another year. Eventually it's going to come and it's probably going to come sooner than later. They've got to find a number one defenseman. And I love Adam Boquist. But I don't see number one defenseman in his arsenal right now because I don't think even if he takes substantial steps forward as a defender, I don't see him as a number one type guy. They've got to find that number one guy. And I think that's part of the reason, as much as we love Kirby Doc, a lot of people were talking about Bowen Byram is that number three overall pick because he was sort of projecting as that number one defenseman for years to come. The Hawks need to address that. I don't know how they're going to do it. And maybe it is trading Robin Leonard for a first-round pick and taking a defenseman with that first-round pick. Who knows? But, man, I, I don't envy Stan Bowman here. He's got so many decisions to make, not to mention his potential future hanging over his head as well. That's It's a tough spot to be in. I mean, he did put himself in this position. Absolutely. Let's not forget that. No, absolutely. Absolutely. There's Yeah, he, he, he did that. You're right. But right now it is a tough place to be. What would you think? Do you think Ian Mitchell has number one defenseman potential? I don't know. I can't say that yet. I haven't seen him play enough. You know, watching him play in college is one thing, but watching him at the NHL level will be a totally different thing. I like what I've seen, but it's it's too hard for me to say, yes, that's a number one defenseman. I think he's an NHL defenseman. I think he's a top four. But to say he's a number one right now, I don't know if I can make that leap with any sort of uh, mm-hmm. credibility. You know what I mean? That is, that is the one thing that's giving me a little bit of comfort right now is knowing that the Blackhawks have Adam Boquist, knowing that they have Nicholas Bodan in the minor leagues, knowing that they have Ian Mitchell in college. They at least do have what appears to be some top-end defensive talent potentially coming down the pipeline here, which, again, I'm not sure if any of these guys are number one defenseman material. I would be hard-pressed to say that any of them are. But at the very least, it looks like you've got some really solid top three or four options. And that obviously is not something we would have been able to say a few years ago. I'll get that'll give me a little bit of comfort, I think, Jay. I know they still need to go out and acquire more talent on the blue line, but at least it's not as dire as it used to be, right? Like, can I can I at least have that modicum of hope right now? Yes, you're right. There should be hope about the Hawks blue line, and they do have some good defensemen coming up. But that number one guy remains to be seen. And maybe it is Boquist. Maybe it is Mitchell. I don't know. I'm not I'm not going to write either guy off right now. But I guess, t- to be honest, like when I saw Duncan Keith's first few years, I didn't think multiple Norris Trophy winner, a Conn Smythe winner, definite Hall of Famer, guy who's going to play until he's 100 at a high level. So, you know, defensemen develop slow, more slowly. So maybe Boquist becomes that guy. But yeah, they, I mean, look, you're right. The The defensive depth is probably a little better than we considered, especially if they keep Connor Murphy and Connor Murphy remains relatively healthy. That's a big if. 
a guy that young with back problems already is not usually an encouraging thing. But um, I, I don't know. I just there are a lot of needs. There's a lot of money that needs to be uh, allotted to a bunch of guys, and they don't have a lot of money. There's gonna be some tough decisions to be made here, and I I don't know. Like I I guess the the question to ask is like how do you prioritize guys coming back, right? If we're talking about Strom, Leonard, Kubelik, who who else are we missing on that list, right? Kajula. Who do you prioritize first? And you got to throw Crawford on there. Who do you prioritize on that list of five? as your number one through five to bring back. Yeah. I mean, that to me, the, the, the place you have to, I think, set a priority realistically is you do have to set it at goaltender Yeah, because the, the, the team, yeah, you've got uh, Kevin Lankin and yeah, you've got Colin Delia, but do you really trust either one of those guys to take enough of a step forward next season to be your number one goaltender? Probably not. I think you need to buy yourself at least, another season or two to really see what you've got, especially in Lankanen. So I know that a lot of people will probably argue that a guy like Robin Leonard would be a luxury for a cash strap team. But I also look at it as what other option do you realistically have? Like yeah, you what that to me, the way you make the biggest impact on the defensive side of things is to bring back a guy like Robin Leonard. I don't know if there's a free agent defenseman out there that's going to give you quite the bang for your buck that a guy like that would. Well, think about this. Think about this Blackhawks team. If they had just like replacement level goaltending this year, playoffs would I mean, be like last season. Yeah. Playoffs would be an absolute pipe dream. There's no chance we'd be realistically talking about a play. I mean, we're not right now realistically, but five days ago we were, if not for Robin Leonard and Corey Crawford, there's no chance that discussion is being had. So, as you were talking, I sort of prioritized my top. I added Eric Gustafson to it, too. Because maybe, maybe they can sign him for cheap. Who knows? Uh, uh, shut up. If you, Would you sign him for three or four? Would you sign no. him for four? I would sign him no. for four. I would sign no. him for four. That ship has sailed, dude. No right. way. So, here's my, here's my list. Number one priority, like you just said, Robin Leonard. Okay? Okay. I'm going to say number two is Kubelik simply because I think he can be had for less than Dylan Strom. Mm. So I'm going to try to get him, assuming that's correct, right? I don't think Kubelik's yeah. going to be asking for 4 and a half or $5 million. He can't really do that anyway. Dylan Strom is third. Fourth for me is Drake Kajula. I'm going to say Corey Crawford fifth. That's your fallback plan if things don't work out with Leonard. Give him a one-year deal. Give him $4 million or whatever just to have him sign here and be the starter for another year and then figure it out. And then a distant six, if he's willing to take a discount as Gustafson, but that's not going to happen. He's going to try to make some money this summer, as he should. And who can blame him? No, no one. Absolutely no one. Yeah. I'm just saying that he, to me, like, unless you get him for, like, a mil, a mil and a half, I'm not interested. Like, there, there are other guys in this system that I would rather see up here than him. I've seen enough of the Eric Gustafson movie to prove to me that he is not – a guy that I'm going to be relying on to do much of anything for this team. And I know that probably doesn't speak, that doesn't speak well to his trade value coming into the deadline. But like you said, I thought rather brilliantly worth in a package. He's definitely worth more than he is solo. I think, I think you may have really hit on something with that. Well, here's a guy we've not discussed a lot this year. Um, Slater Cuckoo has kind of recently, played pretty well there's still those moments where you're like yeah <laughs> but he's 
starting to put some shots on goal. He's shown a lot of aggression in the offensive zone, pinching, and he seems to be doing it at good times. He's got he's a plus six. I know plus minus is overrated, but on the Blackhawks, plus six means something. Mm-hmm. Only eight points in thirty one games, but I like the way he's looked over the last ten games. That's a guy who I think, you know, if that's your five or six, you could do a hell of a lot worse than that. I've so sur- that's a guy that you're holding on to then, I'm assuming. You're not shopping him. No, he's a restricted free agent uh, after this year. Makes $925,000 now. You could probably get him for under $2 million. Mm-hmm. To me, that's that's probably money pretty well spent. I'd I- rather spend that money on him than Eric Gustafson for sure. And again, I'm with you. Like, I don't think that before this season, if you had told me that I'd be talking about re-signing Slater Cuckoo and being like happy with the way that he's been playing, I'd have been like, ah, you're nuts, Jay. You've completely lost your marbles, but you're absolutely right, man. He deserves a lot more credit than I think that we or anybody else was willing to kind of give him before the season. I think that he's he's developed into a nice, a nice player. Like, and that's exactly what you need out of a fifth or sixth defenseman. And I think that if he doesn't require too big of a raise, yeah, I'd absolutely say I'd put him higher on the priority list than I would Eric Gustafson at this point. I'll go ahead and say that. But I don't see to me then it gets into the question of like, is he a higher priority than a Drake Kajula? And that's where I start to have some issues in terms of slotting him on the uh, priority list. I really like Drake Kajula. I do too, man. Um, Every time he's on that top line, I feel like he's producing something, whether it's a hit or an offensive opportunity or whatever. I feel like that he is, he's more in the sum of his parts is what he is like that, that guy realistically, when he came back from injury, there was a noticeable uplift in the team's spirits and in their play level. And I think that it speaks to the kind of player that he is that he can do a lot of really little things and he can do them well. And it's interesting. He's never going to be like a 70 point guy, but if he can be that like 40 point, like third or fourth liner, that's pretty important to have a guy like that. And I like him a lot. All right. Kajula in 56 games with the Blackhawks has 23 points. Um, I like him. And my question is what's it going to cost to resign him? And I wish there was kind of a, Comp that this is a college free agent that's coming and had some success. One point five million dollar contract this year. He's twenty five years old. I don't know, like what about one of the Hayes's, right? Who's the lesser of the Hayes's? I would say Jimmy probably. Jimmy Hayes. All right, let's take a look at his and he's thirty. But let's take a look at his second contract. There's a one year deal for nine hundred twenty five thousand. So his big deal was three years, two point three million cap hit. Okay, his numbers were a little bit better in fairness than Kajula's. He had a 35 point year, 29 point year, um, you know, so he he put up numbers a little more consistently. But that's probably about where you're talking somewhere in the twos, maybe the high twos for Drake Kajula. I just feel you really like think he's going to get up to the high twos with, the, well, I'm looking at with in, the injury risk. Yeah, I'm looking at inflation, too, here, though. Because that deal yeah. to Hayes was si- was signed in 2015, and I think that's mm. that's pretty comparable. Yeah. So so I I don't know. I think if you can get him for two, you do it. I would say like anywhere between two and a half and and lower. I'm signing him, but I think as much as I like him, he can be a bit of a dime a dozen kind of a guy. You can go find another right. Drake Kajula for less money for sure. That's and that's exactly what I was gonna say is that it, it, at that point, especially at the over two and a half million dollar level. 
I think he becomes a luxury that a rebuilding team can't afford to have. And right. it's a bummer because I really like the way he's been playing, but I also do think you have to be very realistic with a guy like that and know you have finite resources with the extension to uh, Alex DeBrincat kicking in, especially, and the fact you're probably going to have to sign a pretty pricey free agent goalie at the end of the day. And I think that if you're allocating resources more than two and a half million for a guy like Drake Kajula, as much as I like him, I probably wouldn't go beyond that. Speaking of allocating resources, if you're going to go to Chuck Southern Comforts Cafe in Burbank or Darien, make sure you save some of those resources for the cobbler at the end. Ho, ho, ho. One of the best desserts you'll ever have. But before you're going to have the cobbler, you're going to want to try the soup, the appetizers, the specials. Everything at Chuck's is fantastic. They specialize in Cajun, Mexican, and and barbecue. But they've also got the burgers, the wings, all the stuff you'd expect uh, from pub fare. But, man, Chuck's is incredible. Chuck Pine, the uh, chef at Chuck's, that's why it's called Chuck's, you see. He was the uh, chef working with Rick Bayless for years. Learned a lot of his cooking secrets it is Chicago cuisine in the suburbs. Go to chuckscafe.com to take a look at their menus, their specials. You will enjoy every single bite you take at Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe. Uh, man, I am just uh, so fired up for this trade deadline. It's it's such a meaningful deadline. Like th- not only for this year, but like this could change the trajectory of this organization for a long time. And that's why the idea of just standing pat kind of terrifies me. And part of me is, I don't want to say glad, but it's almost like a good thing that the Hawks let us know a week early that they're not a playoff team, right? Because now you're not going to have like, well, you know, we're right there. We're four points out. Let's try to stay in this thing and and hang on to your assets and then have nothing to show for it. I keep thinking about the Columbus Blue Jackets, who are still a pretty decent team. But they let Artemi Panarin and Sergei Bobrovsky leave, and they have nothing to show for it. Uh, yeah. Because they thought they were trying to win a cup last year. And it's fine. They were a good team. They had a shot, right? They were not terrible. It's not like they were like, oh, that's, that's a, a, you know no shot in hell. But realistically, they were not a Stanley Cup caliber team. And... You know, maybe they surprise somebody. Maybe they ride a hot goalie to the final and see what happens. But they lose two premier players, especially Panarin, for absolutely nothing. And that, to me, while the Hawks don't have assets quite like that, Robin Leonard is in that conversation as far as goalies go. Eric Gustafson is not as far as like a Panarin comp, but he's one of the. Yeah, please don't make that. No, absolutely not. But he's one of the better offensive defensemen in the league and has some value. So. I don't know. I, I I think they have to at least trade Gustafson and one of the goalies. They have to do at least that on Monday. Who do you think is more likely to go, Leonard or Crawford? I think you're gonna. I think it'll be Leonard because I think they can get more for him, and I think they'll let Corey Crawford have like the Derek Jeter victory lap as the season winds down. Let Hawks fans say goodbye to him. Have that final home game. Where he gets his ovation, gets his because if they're not going to make it anyway, you might as well maximize the assets. There's nothing yeah. about Robin Leonard to me either that says like he'll say, "Well, you didn't trade me at the deadline, so I'm more likely to sign with you." I also don't think he's going to hold it against them if they don't, right? Right. Like, he's going to be like, no, "Yeah, I don't whatever." Get that vibe. No, he he understands the business side of it, and I don't think trading him gives the Hawks a lesser chance at resigning him 
this summer. So that to me is what I would do. Um, and then look, you do give your fans a chance to say goodbye to Corey Crawford, a guy who deserves it. And it was probably not probably who has definitely been underappreciated during his time here. And maybe just maybe having him around for that last month or so will let Hawks fans realize that realize what they had in Corey Crawford and say goodbye to him properly. You think there's a chance that we're, I know we're going to start kind of wrapping this thing up here. And I know that we're probably, I don't know if we're going to do another podcast before the trade deadline, but I do have to ask, is there besides a guy like a Leonard or a Gustafson, who do you think is the most likely Blackhawk besides those kind of rental guys? Who is the most likely Blackhawk to be traded by next Monday? Brandon Sod. Just because I think the value he would bring back in a trade is a guy with another year of control, and you're also clearing that $6 million cap hit to sign, maybe bring back Robin Leonard or bring back Dylan Strom or some combination of all those guys. That's how he makes the most sense. I don't want it to happen. I really like what Brandon Saad brings, and I think they're a better team with him on it. But I could see some teams saying, we're a power forward away from a cup. You've got Brandon Saad with a year left. What do you want for him? And the Hawks, not naming their own price, but the Hawks can get a nice return for that. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to say that I agree with you, but I also feel like I can't just agree with you. I feel like I have to like just kind of throw out a random hot take because it is that time of season, I guess. I'm just going to I'm going to say it just for funsies. I'm going to predict the Blackhawks move Dylan Strom, my friend. Okay. Shock the world. They trade Dylan Strom. They're like, we can't re-sign this guy. We recoup assets, get maybe a defensive prospect, a good solid draft pick out of it, what have you. That's going to be my guy. That's going to be my shock the world move if Stan Bowman goes for one is that he would move Dylan Strom. All right. I love it. I love the boldness. That's why you are the best partner in the world. Speaking of that, while we wrap things up here, join James and I Friday on the Hot Mike app hotmike.io use promo code madhouse watch the blackhawks game live with james Naveau and i it's going to be a great time uh, just pop up the app enter that code madhouse look for the hawks and predators game on friday and james and i will be there smiling at you watching the hawks game drinking some beers eating some chicken having a grand old time so join us friday on hot mike we want to thank triple threat sports we failed to do that our longtime sponsor for all your team and corporate outfitting needs call chris 708-478-6090 or email chris at triplethreadsports.com triple threat sports if you can wear it they can make it we're also sponsored by fry the coop and oak lawn coming soon to tinley park there's a whole bunch of locations all over town go visit our friends at frythecoop.com come get your happiness get the best hot chicken in town chuck southern comforts cafe with locations in burbank and darien visit chuckscafe.com marishka's and crest hill family owned and operated since 19 19- 33 we thank them all for their time we thank you for listening to the madhouse chicago hockey podcast james and i will talk to you on friday on the hot mic app download and preload right now promo code madhouse